I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. Spend my whole life living in the shadows. Working hard, I've got to earn my pay. I got this feeling going in circles. Lord, I know there's got to be a better way. my guest today on the program, Gary Douglas. Let me tell you a little bit about Gary Douglas. Okay, so on the podcast, I've interviewed several artists who are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but this episode is a first for me. I'm interviewing someone who's in the Trial Lawyer Hall of Fame. I know, you didn't know there was one, but there is, and Gary Douglas is in it. So you're probably getting the feeling here that Gary Douglas is a bona fide double threat. Well, he is. A lawyer and a musician, he puts his heart into each of his disciplines, and the results speak for themselves. As a trial lawyer, the New York-born Douglas is clearly Hall of Fame, notching big legal victories over institutional giants like Big Pharma and the tobacco industry. In his legal work, he fights for people who have been marginalized, ignored, and taken advantage of. If you saw the movie Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo, well, that movie was about DuPont dumping the C8 chemical right into the Ohio River, and Douglas was the guy who was brought in to spearhead the milestone litigation that represented all of the communities along the Ohio River Valley who had absolutely no idea that they were being poisoned. How did he do? Well, Douglas crushed it in court, scoring a series of record-breaking settlements that added up to the tune of $700 million in punitive damages. Yeah, Gary Douglas doesn't mess around. The guy is intense. And when it comes to music, he's got just as much intensity. Bringing to mind the work of everyone from Bruce Springsteen to Tommy Conwell, Douglas writes songs about America, Americans, and the pride, sweat, and power of the working man. Although Douglas played in bands in high school, he put music down to focus on law. But in the last five or six years, he's gotten the Gary Douglas band up and running. And, to put it mildly, they're running away with it. Falling somewhere between John Cougar Mellencamp's Scarecrow and Southside Johnny's Better Days, Douglas's new album, Wildlife, is one of the year's most moving, rousing, and soulful efforts. You're going to dig this guy, and you're going to dig this chat. This is me and Gary Douglas having a conversation right here 
on Stereo Embers, the podcast. running into David Johansson a few times at some of those uh, uh, iconic uh, uh, punk rock clubs you know, uh, from the 70s, um, like Max's and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, Jenny would just be hanging out, holding court. It was pretty cool. You know, in terms of seeing bands live, was it, what was the band that connected for you? What Was it the Ramones? Was it the Dolls? Like, what band, like, really connected for you? Well, I mean, to me, it's Bruce Springsteen is the is the ultimate live act. Um, so, like, I would say every Bruce Springsteen show, and then you know, anybody else after that. Um, in terms of, especially in terms of live performance, but yeah, he 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 resonated deep within the soul. Like, I'm one of those people that feel it's a religious experience to go see him perform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's still that way. It is definitely still that way. Um, in, in terms of, in terms of your work ethic as, I mean, you were, you were playing in bands in high school. Um, how, how disciplined were you as a musician, as a young man? Uh, not at all. Uh, I wish I was more disciplined, you know, back then. Um, you sort of go flying by the seat of your pants and, you know, you, 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 you try, you try, you try and do stuff too soon. You know, but uh, it's all a learning experience and a, and a learning curve. Um, and, you know, I think you get too uh, eager sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, instead of, but it's all, it's all good. You, it, you, you learn as you go. Yeah, but that, like that eagerness, isn't that connected to sort of like just youthful energy anyway you know you sort of like you, you bring things out of the oven which are sort of uncooked because you're so eager because you're so excited about you know everything yeah no, i think i think it's part of the, it's just part of the process it's like a, it's pretty you know it's you, you know you, you get out there prematurely and uh and then you learn from it and it's you know performing i guess one of the maybe what i'm trying to say is the only way to it's easy to sit in a rehearsal room or a piano or in your room with a guitar and everything sounds great. And then something, then you realize when you go on stage, wait a second, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the whole, <laughs> it's a, okay. Now it's a, how do you connect with an audience? Okay. Now how, you know, how do you put on, how do you put on a show? Not just stand and play, you know, what do you say? Do you say anything, you know, and those stage chops come with time and many, many, uh, attempts at it, you know, a lot of crash and burns. You know, Springsteen talks about that in his Broadway show. Getting on stage now, how does that feel compared to when it did maybe when you were when you were young and and in these sort of you know teenage bands? How have you refined your game that way? Well, I'll tell you that you know I did this through my twenties and then I gave it up and went to law school to make a living. Right. So then when I came back to it about eight or nine years ago, or eight years ago maybe, started just slowly, just playing a few shows. It was it was definitely not like riding a bicycle, you know? <laughs> you know, get back on and it's like you never got off the bike. It, it started, it was another, not as long or, or arduous, but it takes a while to get your chops together again. 
And uh, so now it's, you know, now it's good. You know, it's, uh, I feel, I guess that's why I said, you know, if I was where I was back in my 20s or my teens where I'm now, you know, maybe things would have turned out different. But, um, you know, now it's a, it's a, now it's like, all right, we know how to put on a show. We're ready to go. We know what we're going to do. Um, and then we know we're going to connect because that's what happens when we play live, no matter where we are. Um, you know, we've got that down. You know, I feel, we feel like we can definitely entertain people. You know, Springsteen talks about how he sort of refined that character. Um, you know, the, the Bruce Springsteen that people have mythologized is not real. He's, he's a character. It's a persona and it's a very effective one. Um, and it can be close to who you are as a person, but it still is a, a projection of, of sorts. Um, yeah. Do you think about Gary Douglas on stage as being this, a different guy from Gary Douglas in, you know, when you step off the stage? It's a, it's a um, paradox is how I would describe it. Because when you, 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 I don't, you know, in one instance, it's, it, this is the purest form of me, especially on the good nights. You know, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, there's no covering me up. It's a complete revealing of, you know, when you're have your best nights, there's no inhibitions whatsoever. And you just, and you're in a zone, you're just in a place and, and, and there's some magic that happens. And it goes back and forth with you and the audience because they, they sense it. Uh, and on the other hand, you know, we're putting on a show. You know, it's not us. It's not me. Um, you know, it's a, it's a weird kind of paradox. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> I sort of get it. Like, it, it, the paradox is that in, in this sort of environment, which is um, – you know, an environment, it's an environment. It's not, it's not a real part of life. It's not like the outside world. It's just, it's a stage. Um, and it can, on that, can, yeah, right. I can be this person I'd like to be. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, in, in that environment, you can be the purest form of who you are. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's in a different sense. It's not real. It's because you don't do it. You don't live like that every day. It's, but it's this, uh, this moment of uh, being like that. And, you know, getting uh, comfortable to, to get to that place is half the ball game. Right, right. So. Be, because, like, you know, growing up, you, you know, for me, watching people like Springsteen or Jagger or Robert Plant, I didn't think those guys put gas in their cars. They they just seemed like gods, you know, didn't live a normal life. Yeah. You know, be, because of that projection, because it was such a big projection. So, yeah, I, I get yeah. what you mean. But when when you talk about it being the purest form of you – um, what is that form? If you could put words to it, like who is who is that guy, and what is that feeling? That guy is um, is honest. Uh, likes to be funny. Likes to talk about things that everybody that that I know, and I know that other people can connect and relate to. He's a little bit angry and pissed off, and um, and uh, and and you're and I'm. There to talk to everybody about it, sing about it. Um, you know, our best shows are when I when I go on I go on some rants, you know, which will be mixed with humor and some, you know, funny stuff, angry stuff, and you could tell when you know the audience is like feeding back and you know you're connecting, 
And that, those are those are our best nights. Uh, and then the music, just you know, you know, you rock out and everybody's having a great time. So it's just me ranting about the world, basically. Yeah. Whether it's through the songs, that's the purest form of me. There is plenty in this world to rant about. No argument there. Uh, but as part of it's part of the anger, the fact that, that you kept this guy caged up for a long time. Like he was, he didn't have a chance to get on stage for so long. Uh, probably, <laughs> um, you know, and it's all, yeah, and because you know you don't get a chance to do if you don't get a chance to do that in ordinary life, right? You know, so, and, and you know, so it's sort of, sort of pent up, and it just comes out. You know? Yeah, uh, I think people relate to that. They can they feel that, like okay, this guy's venting and offending for me now, you know. Um, and that's funny. Oh, I never thought of that. Uh, you know, that to me is a, that's the, that's what that's what I enjoy the most. Like the guys in the band will be when we're on, on those really good nights. Guys in the band will be like, uh, "Don't stop when he's on a roll." There is obviously Gary. There's a performative element to your day job, um, and the then same sort of. Thing. Same thing, right? And and there's a performative element to to the job, the night job. Uh, and I was thinking, like, I know everybody asks you what the the two have in common, but to me, the through line I think really is has to do with performance. Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of how I got back into the music. Some some musician friend of mine came and saw me um, do a summation in a very high profile trial in New York. And there was a you know beautiful big courtroom courthouse courtroom in a federal court in Lower Manhattan and there was a lot of press coverage and it was a huge courtroom and it was packed to hear a pin drop and I got up to do my summation and I got I mean and uh, she'd never seen me do this before and I, I mean I'm, I'm really good at that and uh, and different um, you know and it's the same thing I I rent. And I'll rant about the injustice that we, you know, this corporate malfeasance, the worst of humanity, and you know, and and the tragedy that happens as a result, and you know, whoop everybody into a frenzy. The jurors are crying, and when I when I pull the heartstrings and laughing when I crack jokes, and people are, just, and it's I really it's like a performance, and you know, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll do I'll do crazy things, but she said to me. You got to get back on stage. You got to do this. I mean, this is you know. So that's what sort of that's you know talking about the similarities because she saw in me that and said you got to. And since I you know by that time very successful, I could uh, afford I could afford to do it. It seems to me like like if you're an artist and you don't have an outlet, it seems like it's uh, probably not healthy. You know, it seems like it's healthier to have an outlet to have your music to be so i'm wondering like did you just not play music for a long time or were you still at home playing no i kept you know i had a, i had a guitar um eventually i got a, a, a digital piano for my apartment i would not i would always write songs um but you know i was working all the time and there, you know probably some shitty songs i wrote over and i just got back into it you know at that point and you, you can't do it part-time, you know, you, you got to be really serious when you do it. Like I said, you know, it took a while like, to get comfortable on stage again, to get the ear, you know, sharp, uh, vocal chops together, 
And uh, so although I kept playing, you know, it really was not um, on a serious level. But, you know, for me, I, I teach college for a living and then I'm a writer. Um, and, and for me, sometimes I'll be teaching college thinking about what I want to, you know, wanting to come home and write in a, in a, in, you know, the new manuscript, which isn't done and thinking about the story and my head's not totally in the game. Um, do you ever find that you, <laughs> I'm not asking you if you drift off, you know, at, at your job, but do you find sometimes it's hard to be two places at once where your head is sort of like drifting towards music or, um, you know, definitely it happens. And like, um, there are times that I'm in, totally into what I'm doing in, in law, and, and I know there's a gig coming up, and I'm thinking, ah, shit, I wish I didn't have that because I'm so into what I'm doing right now. Uh, and you know, you want it's hard to switch, it's hard to switch mindsets, totally different mindset, um, and uh, and vice versa. You know, string the shows or recording, and ah, uh, shit, something business came up, and I, I don't want to fucking deal with that right now. Right. I mean, that happens a lot, um, you know, and, and I try and balance it, you know, sometimes, you know, I think, fuck the music, you know, it's just going great, white, you know, and then uh, sometimes the other way around. But that, so, you know, I don't think I find myself, you know, in a, in a trial thinking about music or on a stage thinking about uh, law. Don't you ever want to stay in bed Pick your arms up, put the pillow down over your head Now I felt like me today Like Superman hung up his cake Didn't want to fly anymore Gotta be and brave That felt like me today Can't help but still believe man can change. See a light, but it feels a million miles away. How do you hear an angry heart? Or it goes and tears another soul apart. They say to let it go. someone else the first step is to learn to forgive yourself guess I should let it go hallelujah I can't help but still believe my heart can change I see a light but it feels a million miles away It's a dream on that we're dancing on What 
you think is right, I might think is wrong. We need a place to start. Show me hope and I'll show you trust. Someone's got to give a damn now, why not us? This is the place to start. Can help us still believe the world can change. I see a light, but it feels a million miles away. Have you noticed a change in your personality since you know eight or nine years ago when you started playing live again? Uh, did you feel that that calmed you down? Did you feel that your was there? Did you change? Do you think in terms of now that you had this outlet and you were playing for people and you were getting that energy? Um, what kind of a shift did you notice in the way you know in terms of you on a day to day basis? Um, I don't think it shifted me on a day to day basis. I think it just made me want to do it more. Mm. You know. Because, you know, that's to me, it's like, uh, that's, you know, the live, the rec- studio recordings are a different animal. It's a whole different world. But the live uh, performances and the shows and those, that's like, you have a good show. And it's like, for, for a little while, you feel like, wow, that was great. I feel good. And you just feel good. And um, and that can happen, you know, for me in, in law. You know, you win a case after struggling and fighting and, and then you say, ah, so that's why I do it. And um, so and I, it changes me. It just gives me more moments in life like that. You know, where you feel like you can just kick back and go, ah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think we isolated the fact that the two jobs have in common, the performative element. They also have in common that the work is never done in the sense that all of the injustices in the world, uh, there's plenty of them. And you never get a chance to spike the football and stop the clock because there's always more. And with songwriting, it's very similar in the sense that you might write a song that you go, well, that's exactly what I wanted to say. And then the next day you try to do it again. Yeah, you're constantly trying to get to, to, to hit that. <laughs> like one of those cocaine rats. <laughs> you know, you keep trying to get, 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 that, get that buzz again from the yeah. that song you wrote or that show you had or chase you tried or whatever it might be and, you know it only lasts a little while if you want right. to get back and do it again right you know. right and that's the pull it just keeps pulling you back 
Uh, that's a good way to describe it. The the studio is a meticulous place. You can't be as ramshackle as, as a live stage. Um, do you like the studio work? Do you like the meticulousness of the of the art? I get frustrated by the limitations. Um, it's, it's a recording is a bigger challenge than performing live um, for multiple reasons. But there, there's, um, you know, I, I guess I've been frustrated with some of the records we've made uh, because there's always a limitation on time. That's also a learning curve. And, you know, in this new record that's, that we're putting out, and, and Deep in the Water is this first single from it, this reworked re, re version, um, which this new this album, Wildlife, which will be out in, I think we're, we're targeting February, but a single or two before that. I would say is the best studio work that I've ever done. You know, like finally, if you put together all of your past mistakes, you know, the learning curve, you've reached the, the top finally. You know, like I'm not going to make this mistake again. I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm not going to listen to this one or that one. I'm not going to do this or that. I'm going to do it. You know, you, you finally put, got all the ingredients. You've, made, you, you've stumbled. You've, you've fallen. You figured out how to avoid those pitfalls, and finally it comes together. And I think that this record, uh, that I did, which I did with uh, Anthony Resta, who's a great producer, and he and I have a great connection. We think the same way. That always helps. And and, and as a result, this record, um, I think, is, the, is many many steps above anything we've done before. Um, so. Um, you know, I'm one of those, like, I'll listen to something we recorded a year or two ago, and I, I cringe. I can't make it through. I just got to turn it off. I was like, oh, fuck, what did we do wrong? You know, how did I ever allow that? Why did I get talked into this? You know? Right. Sounds like a hodgepodge. It sounds like four different fucking people from four different places trying to play, write, play my song. I'll never do that again. Um, you know, it's not what I heard in my head. Not compromising that stuff, you know. And I think finally I pulled it together. And, you know, we eliminated. I think sometimes you have too many cooks in the kitchen, um, or I, I'm a too little, a little too laissez-faire with uh, the musicians that are playing a record. And this this record, I, I took more control of over, and I worked with a producer who was um, totally in sync. Are you pretty good with taking criticism? Um, I guess probably not the best. I'm one of those like so. I might get defensive, and then I'll go and go. All right, think about that. All right, I get it. You know, um, but I, I a lot of times I'm just you know, you know, you get some great studio cats that have been on a thousand, you know, platinum records, which sounds great. You get oh, I got that guy on my record. Isn't that great? And then they come, you know, like and, and just like well, how, how do I tell that guy I don't like what he's playing? You know. <laughs> and um, you know, well, I mean, is is your first reaction when someone gives you a note like you you get a like you kind of get indignant and then you have to walk away and then come back? And go, All right. No, maybe that's in general life, but I think in the studio, I get I get like uh, I'm probably too. I listen too much, you know. Like, uh, oh my god, really? You think that? Okay, I'll try. I'll try it your way. Um, as opposed to no, no, I I know that sucks or I appreciate what you're saying but I we, we gotta get I have in my head what to do just give me some space um, and we'll get and you'll 
hear what I'm talking about. I as see. opposed to doing some other idea that just came up with. Too many times I'll just acquiesce. That's that was in the past. I, I like your records a lot. So I, I'm not hearing what you're hearing, but is is what you're hearing on the past records, are you hearing moments where you should have trusted yourself more? Is that kind of what you're saying? Absolutely. And now I do. So uh, you know, I, I I think I don't know when or how that happened, and maybe it's the process. That it's the process for for the new single. I know that it's sort of one of those moments where it does cross over into the subject matter of your work, um, which you've you've seemed to keep those separate. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about the decision to sort of to incorporate that? So, I gotta say, the idea wasn't mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> It, it, it was sent from writing with Daryl Brown, uh, who I wrote with the last record, with the, which was titled Deep in the Water, um, which was produced by Nico Bolas. Uh, and we recorded that in Nashville with some great studio cats. Um, and and um, so when we were talking about writing songs, um, we were, you know, me and Daryl, it was we were just shooting the shit, and you know I'm telling, telling about the case and all that stuff, you know, because and that they're probably going to make it into a movie. It looks like um, Mark Ruffalo just bought the rights or the company did. So, so we're just so he he started talking about the the underlying case, and he said we should, we got to write a song about that. It's an amazing story. So um, so we did. So it was his idea. But I think it's and it's the one time um, that I've ever written a song that had something to do specifically with what I do in law. Um, but it lent itself to it because it is an amazing story. Um, yeah. You know, some poor farmer and an unlikely hero and a corporate defense attorney taking on a corporate giant and uncovering, you know, this. Um, horrible uh, corporate malfeasance and, and, and dumping cancer-causing chemicals into people's drinking water for decades and covering it up. So, you know, and then that's why the sort of the lyrics that's deep in the water, you know, it was hidden there for a decade. Nobody was there the whole time. The truth was lying, double meaning, <laughs> um, lying there in the water, and it, you know, they're lying to us. Um, so, you know, it, it sort of lent itself naturally and, uh, to uh, writing about in a song. Did it feel okay in the end? I, I, you were at first, it, you were sort of not not sure about it, and then as you as you started to thread the needle, it started to feel like the right thing to do, and you were comfortable with it with uh, doing that. I, when Daryl suggested it, I said, okay, I was a little bit cynical that we could do this, but you know, he, he and he's, you know, he's. He's a brilliant and creative mind, and I saw immediately that it's And then eventually I said, of course, of course you should do this. Uh, so, yeah, I would say sort of like I was reluctant at first. Okay, I'll do this. Let's try it. Okay. Man-made chemicals, that's the first line. All right, where do we go from there? Yeah. And, 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 and it was, we labored over it and, uh, and, came, and came up with the song. Would, you, would there be crossover, you think, again, or, or is it one enough? Uh, I don't know. I don't foresee that happening. Um, you know, it would have to be something, one of those one of the million, you know, type of situations like that. Yeah. When we were trying those cases, um, and you should see the movie, 
uh, by the way, or read the book. Um, the book is exposed. Um, I'm featured in the book, not in the movie. Um, and, but it, we used to try those cases with, with Rob a lot, who, who's the guy that fought 15 years to uncover this and probably get it in trial. Uh, and then he brought me in to try the cases. Well, we used to sit there, and he would just humbly talk about things that happened over the years as he's fighting DuPont. Just to joke about, you know, this, this is unbelievable. They should turn this into a Hollywood movie one day. And uh, so it's kind of funny now that it is, and it's Mark Ruffalo and all that stuff playing him. You know. But I don't think, you know, it, it's a very unique situation. Yeah. So I don't know that it would ever happen again. But, you know, you take guys like Billy Bragg or Woody Guthrie. Um, or even Frank Turner more recently. So um, there are – there's plenty of room or even the clash for uh, the issues that you're interested in, um, you know, social social justice, the world's ills, those kinds of things can always be incorporated uh, into a song even though they're not they're not part of your the work you're working on. Oh, it's, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I think some of the other songs that we've done have always been about, you know, um, these kind of social issues overall. So, you know, how from an individual perspective. And some of those, I would say there's more of those on this record that's coming up. And I mean, I've always identified with the working guy um, and, you know, the, the, uh, the daily struggle of life. Yeah. So now I, um, things weren't always easy for me. Now, you know, uh, I, I, I do pretty good for myself. It's, it, you know, I'll fly a private jet wherever I want to go. Um, but it wasn't always like that. And um, it, it was a, a big struggle, not having money to pay your rent, living in an efficiency apartment. Uh, and so I always identify with uh, working people and the struggle. And I come from that background. Um, you know, I was raised in a house of liberal Democrats, my grandfather was a, a cattle rancher in Texas and came to New York, um, and he was uh, a union organizer. And then he came to New York and opened a fruit stand during the Depression, and he used to give the fruit away to people who didn't have money. So I was always, you know, I was indoctrinated to, to think like that. So, you know, I, I, that's why I'll write songs. Yeah, and I, and I feel like if you if you feel that this record is the closest you've come so far to encapsulating the the energy and the dynamism of, of who you are, I'd say that you're you're headed in the right direction. It sounds like that's exactly how it should be. Yeah, I'm pleased. This is the first, I mean, I'm really happy. I'm looking forward. You know, I was, uh, my uh, manager, Teresa, and our PR people, were, I was telling them, let's just get it out there now. You know, I mean, we finished it a couple of months ago. And they're all about, no, we got to do this right. And uh, we got to have, had, you know, we need to give us time and we need one a second one and third one, then the album, you gotta give me a chance to build up the interest. Um, and I don't really care so much about that. I just want to have my, what I think is my best stuff and, and representative of me out there already. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I cringe sometimes when I'm listening to some of the other stuff, with some exceptions. I, I know that Mick Jagger, for example, has yeah. said um, he can't listen to Exile on Main Street of all records, it, it just it makes him cringe. Uh, I heard him say that in an interview once. 
which would should blow everybody away because it's probably, you know, arguably their masterpiece. And, you know, how could he see that, you know? Yeah. But, so you wonder how much of that is just, you know, in your head as opposed to real. Do you, do you feel, Gary, that you are more creatively um, in tune with yourself now than, than you've been? Uh, absolutely. Totally. It took a while. You know, and plus you get derailed. I go away for months to try a case. So it's not more, you know, like we'll do a a tour for a couple of months. um, And then, you know, by the time the tour is over, now we're really fucking great. You know, you were good when you started the tour, but by the time you finish the tour, uh, you know, two months on the road, playing three, four times a week, traveling everywhere, eat, drink, sleep. Um, You, you, the, the band and your own performance and everything, just becomes, uh, you know, a, a, an, an entity unto itself, a different life form. And um, and then it's over. Right. And I got to go back to, I got to go back to the, to the money-making job. Um, so it's a start and stop and herky-jerky thing, but I think, you know, but it's always going up, 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 and I think I'm, you know, at this test of critical mass of creativity and performance part of uh, that journey. I think like, you know, I, I heard a couple of the new songs and I, I really love them. And I think, um, you know, I think you're nailing it. I think you, you've never sounded better. And, um, I, you know, I love what you're doing. Thank you for saying that. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So. And um, I appreciate you uh, you taking the time to chat with me, man. And I'm really excited for people to hear this record. And I'm excited for them to, hear, to see the movie and, and uh, hear the single and, and get to know you as a musician. Great, and I appreciate you taking the time, and it was a lovely chat. Great guy, that Gary Douglas. I think, you know, if you're going to be a successful lawyer and a successful musician, you've got to be a multitasker. During that conversation, I could hear him lawyering around. (laughs) stepping in and out of elevators, doing things. Uh, But Gary Douglas is a guy who gets things done, so there you go. Uh, More information about Gary, go to GaryDouglasBand.com. Everything you need to know about him is there. Everything you need to know about me can be found at AlexGreenOnline.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at EmbersEditor. Follow me on Instagram, at EmbersPodcast. Or if you're super old-fashioned, just email me, Editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Dot com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms, so go to the one that you use, subscribe for free, leave us a rating, tell all your friends. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving you uh, a lot of assignments here. Uh, do any of those things in any order that you like, and we'll be eternally grateful here. Okay? All right. Let's close the show with another new song from the Gary Douglas Band. This is Deep in the Water. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next time right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Man-made chemicals are pausing in the earth Chemists move molecules around like we move furniture After wet and gone It will be
farming man you sold your lies to With his blood you signed his name Now we are your worst nightmare agitators. 